everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. We are starting this new series, The Beautiful Story. There's plenty of ugly stories out there. We're talking about the beautiful story. And I want to encourage you to get your Bibles and open them up. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1. I don't know what Bible you've got, but I know what page that's on. It's on page number 1. So get your Bibles opened up or turn to Genesis 1. And I just want to say I'm so grateful that you're giving this time to the Lord. I'm so grateful that you're worshiping. And we know you are. We know you're doing it because we see you clicking. We see you doing the things. And so just take this time and, and open your heart up to the Lord. And worship Him. And as we, uh, as we open the Scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, now is the moment. This is the hour. This is the, this is the time, Lord, that we need to hear from You. Of all the times in our week, of all the things that we hear, we need to hear Your voice. We need to hear Your Word, which implanted in our hearts is able to save our souls and bring us to eternal life. In your mercy, Jesus, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Genesis 1, 1 to 13. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water... Under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants, bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning. The third day. This is God's Word. And we're grateful. The beautiful story, a beautiful God. What was the last time you were captured by beauty? I mean, really, really grabbed. Not just uh, like, oh, you know, oh, that's nice. No, I mean like, I mean like, stop the bus. I mean, uh, put down the phone. Get out here. Look at this. That kind of beauty. Beauty has a power. Truth makes us say, huh. Goodness makes us say, yeah. 
But beauty, beauty makes us say, wow, wow. Beauty has power. When my kids were younger, each of the four of them, starting with the oldest, we had kind of a, a little saying that we would do, a little game that we would play, I guess you'd call it. And it's back when they're in the, in the car seat days, we're driving around in the car, and you know, when kids are in those car seat days, they're just, they're taking in everything. Their eyes are as big as plates, they're just looking, just sucking everything in. And so I would drive around, and whenever we'd see the sunset, all of a sudden it'd be, you know, bright sky, orange and red, and beautiful. I would try to pick a good one, right, and pick a beautiful. And then I would say, I would say to my kids, who made that? And they'd say, uh, God made it. See, I trained them. You know, I trained them to say that. God made it. And then I'd say, who did God make it for? And they would say, God made it for me. And then I would say, why did God make it Beautiful. And they'd say, why, Daddy? Why? I'd say, because God loves you. God loves you. That's why he made it beautiful. You know, that's the only real answer to beauty. Why does beauty exist? Why is beauty there at all? The only real answer that's out there is that God loves you. That's why God made it. Beautiful. Welcome to the beautiful story. The story of everything. The God who who made the world and the the people in it and how it went wrong and, and broken and twisted and the plan that God has, the plan of salvation that God has to enter and restore it and bring it back to all of its glory. It's a beautiful story beautiful story. We Christians, we know and, and, and we've gotten used to defending the story as true. And sometimes we work to prove the story as good. But you know what we forget sometimes? We forget that this is a story that's beautiful. And the world needs the beauty of it. The world needs a beautiful story. Friends, there's plenty of ugly stories out there. The world is thirsty for the beauty that God has for us. It's time to tell the story again. I want, I want to learn the story again, tell the great, great story. But I want us to tell it with all the beauty that God put in it. Church, here's what I want. What I want for us is that we've got, we've got categories in our mind. We've got a place in our head where we are watching for beauty. We're collecting it. We're holding on to it. We're, we're letting it into our lives. We're holding on to that, that beauty. Why? Because beauty breaks down barriers that arguments cannot. Beauty has a power. It penetrates into places that, in the heart that reason, discourse, and, and apologetic argument. Now listen, you know me. You know I love reason, discourse. You know I love apologetic argument. But there's something that beauty can do to penetrate the heart that a kind of reasoned discourse can't do. Beauty has a power. It has direct access to our souls. So listen, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about Barbie doll beauty, okay? I'm not talking about Barbie Ken 
uh, fashion magazine, you know, a makeup blog kind of beauty. Please, no. Get that out of your head. That's too small. That's too narrow. We need, we need broader minds than that. I'm talking about big beauty. The waves on the sea. The, the light on the mountains. The dew on the grass. The elegance and power of a hummingbird at its feeder. I mean, I mean, beauty, right? And human things too, okay? The things that, that we can do sometimes. A, a child singing a song. A 50-year faithful marriage. Come on. Beautiful. That moment when a hardened cynic sees the need of somebody else and something touches their heart and they reach out and they help and they lift up somebody else. Beauty. Beauty. We need it. It's big. It stops you in your tracks. It arrests your soul. What's the last time you were awestruck? Church, I want us to have these categories. We're collecting beauty. We're seeing beauty. We're noticing beauty. We're allowing it into our lives. We're holding on to it. And we're even letting it convince us of some things. Because God gave us beauty to draw us home to Him. And it may just change the way we tell the great and beautiful story. The beautiful story. The beautiful story. It starts with God. It starts with a beautiful God. Thomas Aquinas said, Beauty is that which, when seen pleases. That's a good definition of beauty. Sometimes we tell stories of God that hide the beauty, that obscure the beauty. We tell tell stories of God that don't allow the beauty to come out. We tell shrunken stories of God, what James Bryan Smith calls shrunken stories of God. In fact, if you want to read along, if you want to study with this series, I want to recommend a book for you by James Bryan Smith called The Magnificent Story. You could go deep, read along with us as we talk about this. But we tell these shrunken stories of God. You know, God, God is an angry judge up there in heaven just waiting for us to find some way to appease His wrath for all the wrong things that we've done. God as this, as this disappointed Father, who's just kind of watching, you know, in disgust, having told you what to do, just can't believe that you're not doing the right thing. Or God as, as this cross-armed, nasty being who just doesn't understand why you've wrecked everything. Do any of those visions of God stop you in your tracks and make you say, wow? No. So apply the, apply the beauty test, you see? Apply the beauty test. Beauty is that which, when seen, pleases. The world is tired of our shrunken stories of God. They've got enough of that. They've got enough ugly stories. What, what they need, the world is thirsty for beauty. And good news, God is beautiful. 
Now, we're going to be careful along the way. Let's be careful, right, that we're not just testing the story for what pleases us. Okay, beauty is that which, when seen, pleases. So am I just going to, I'm just only going to take the things that, that please me. That's not what Thomas Aquinas meant. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. If we're telling shrunken, ugly stories of God, maybe we haven't, we haven't dug deep enough. If you haven't dug down to the the awe, the splendor, the glory of the beauty of God, then we still got some digging to do because God is beautiful. And people are they're sick of our shrunken stories. They're If people are disgusted by our story of a shrunken and ugly God, listen, then we're telling it wrong. We're telling it wrong. We need to learn to tell the story again. God is beautiful and the author of beauty. The beautiful story begins with the beautiful God who makes a beautiful creation. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. Who made that? God did. God made it. It's the foolishness of the heart, not academic rigor, not not intellectual vigor that, that, that accepts Uh, an origin story that doesn't include a creator God. I want you to hear that. That's not not academic vigor. That's not intellectual, you know, uh, honesty. It's the foolishness of the heart that accepts an origin story that doesn't doesn't include a creator. Just ask Francis Collins. Francis Collins, he's the the director right now of the National Institute of Health. He was the director of the Human Genome Project. He's this year's 2020 winner of the Templeton Prize in Science and Theology. And one of the greatest scientists in the world. He wrote a book called The Language of God about his work on the DNA strand and understanding all of that and the intelligence that he saw designed and imprinted in that. Listen, it's not, it's not intellectual vigor that accepts a story of creation where God doesn't exist. It's a foolishness of the heart that's escaping God. Don't, don't believe that lie that science and faith, they're divorced. And to be an honest scientist is to step away from God. That is a fairy tale. The creation that we've got, it's full of fingerprints of a creator God. Who made that? God did. This God, look at Genesis 1.1, this, this God, when this ink got to paper for Genesis 1-1. I want you to understand this God was not an unknown God. It's not some strange unknown force. This was a known God. This God was and is the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who made covenants with the people of Israel and kept His word. The God who intervened and sent Moses to draw them out of slavery from Egypt. That's the God that we're talking about as we peer into the very beginning of history itself by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Moses spoke of this God, he knew the God that he was talking about. It turns out this God was at the beginning 
This is the God who in the beginning created. This God who intervened in history and and was present to His people. It's this God that turns out was there at the beginning and in fact created the beginning. This God wasn't part of history. This God created history. And He was there at the beginning because He made the beginning. God, in the beginning, God created. See, He created all of it. God created what? Heavens and earth. That means everything. That means everything. That means everything. All of it God made out of nothing. Who made this? God did. Why did he make it beautiful? This God, was this, was this God alone? Look at verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God is there. God and the Spirit of God. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there, and there was light. God spoke. The voice of God was there. The word of God was there. We learn more about this when we turn to John 1. John 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, the word was God. You don't get to be part of creation. You don't get to be part of making everything. You don't get to be part of the beginning of time if you're not God. If the word is there, the word is God. You see, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. See, God said, God said, through him, through the word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And friends, this word became flesh. This word is Jesus. God was there. God The Spirit of God, Jesus. That's the Trinity. That's this mysterious Trinity. That's this this threeness and this oneness. And we know, we know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know it's a community, even right there in Genesis 1, because when we get down to verse 26, God's speaking in plural. Look at this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and everything else. And we'll get to that again in a couple of weeks. God is not alone. God is... God is not lonely. You see? And we know this God. This God, this is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit with Him. Trinity. Every other story of the beginning of things, every other story, including the, the supposedly scientific atheistic story, Every other story of the beginning of things sees, sees creation as either an accident, whoops, or a tragedy. Oh, no. Only the story, the beautiful story. Is there a God fully at peace? A God 
Not frustrated, not, not achingly alone, or not suddenly finding himself in need of something. No, a God that is, that is fully in joyful community with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving, serving, interacting, fulfilling this community of perfect love. This God doesn't create out of necessity. This God doesn't create out of frustration. This God doesn't create out of a need or a dissatisfaction or something lacking within himself. This God is in a joyful and complete community, and the creation comes as God comes out of a fullness of God's. An overflow, a desire to express and share his, his, his glory, his joy, his peace, this perfect community of love, you see. That's what motivates God. It's this, this, this satisfied, complete fullness of perfect love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that God is so full that he wants to create. He's motivated to make love and peace and joy. These are the components of the Trinity God that motivates his heart to create everything that is. It's a, it's a beautiful God. It's a beautiful God. Beautiful God makes a beautiful world. Light and darkness playing off each other in contrast, day and night, warmth and life and energy matched and balanced with, with coolness and, and rest and return. And the waters and the seas and, and a vault, you know, a vault. Sort of, we would call it an atmosphere, a place to live safely where the waters underneath separated from the waters up above. What's the waters up above? They're talking about clouds there, these ranges of, of, of mountain ranges of clouds, you know, castles of clouds in the sky. You know, I was watching a, a game show, and I learned this. How much do you think a cumulus cloud weighs? You got any guesses? Go ahead. You're wrong. 1.1 million pounds. That's how much a cumulus cloud. Is there any water up there? And God has created this, what they call it, what the Bible says, a vault, a place for us to live. See, in between the waters, in between the waters. So beautiful. Who made this? And why did he make it beautiful? And then God made us and he put us in it. And we'll get to that. But this beautiful God, you see, supremely satisfied, happy, at peace, in joy with himself, in the full love and community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a God who needs nothing from you, wants nothing back in return. I mean, just has nothing that he needs, nothing at all. He creates the cosmos out of an overflow of celebration and joy and then puts you in it and, and looks on you and, and laughs and smiles and sings to see you bathe and bask in the beauty of what he's made. That's God. And God is wowed by his creation. What's the refrain that we get? And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was very good. Wow. God is, is absolutely thrilled with his creation. He's wowed with what he has made. And he is thrilled with having made you. 
and that never changes. God's unwavering in love and celebration over having made you. God loves all that he's made. Do you have a shrunken story of God? Here's a, here's a picture of God from Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is with you, a mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. Delight. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. He delights over you. God rejoices over you with singing. He's unwavering in his love. He's thrilled with having made you. Wow, it's very good. And even even when you turn your back on him, his love is the same. His love doesn't change. He loves you even when you've turned your shoulder away and you're fleeing from him. His love doesn't waver. But when you turn around, Wow! The celebration really begins. Jesus talked about that. He told a story about a son that, that left home and ran from home. And the father, who's, who's, Jesus is saying, this is what God is like. The father is waiting, and when the son turns around, wow! And what does the father say? Jesus puts these words in his mouth in Luke 15. The father says, but we, we, we had to celebrate and be glad Because this brother of yours was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And I love the way that Jesus puts it. We had to celebrate. It wasn't like a choice. It wasn't like maybe. We had to. You have. You got to. There's got to be a party. There's just too much joy. There's too much gladness. There's too much celebration in God. He loves you so much, even when you've turned your back on him. And when you turn around again, wow. A beautiful God makes a beautiful world. And that's how the beautiful story starts. And God isn't lacking anything. God is complete. The Father is there. And the Spirit is there. And and the Son is there is there. Jesus is there. And the Son, you know, the Son knows what's coming. He knows that He would enter into that creation when it had turned away from the Father, its Creator. The Son knows that He would become one of us when we had become hell-bent on darkness, turned from God, away from His light, and into the shadows of our own destruction. The Son knows He's going to come into that creation. He's going to go all the way into death. Because the celebration will never be in jeopardy. We had to celebrate. There had to be joy. There had to be beauty. There's just too much celebration. There's too much joy. There's too much gladness. There's too much glory to let it slip away. No 
shrunken stories of God aloud. This is a beautiful God. Lord, we slip away from your glory. We slip away from our vision of who you are and your character. How do we lose sight of it, God? How do we lose sight of your beauty? Lord, when the world gets hard, we think you're hard. When the world gets mean, we think you're mean. When our life gets ugly, we think you're ugly. Lord, restore our hearts to see your beauty, to be drawn home to you in the beauty that you've created in front of us, that you've given us, the beautiful story of your love, your grace, your salvation, found in the beautiful Savior, Jesus. Turn our hearts toward home. In Jesus' name we pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.